Well, good morning, Hoffmantown Church. Great to see you. I want to invite you to stand with us. Let's just welcome the presence of the Father in this place. Lord, we love you. We worship you today. We're thankful for who you are and that you're here with us. Let our praise be your welcome. Let our songs be a sign. We are here for you. To him. We are here for you. Let your breath come from heaven. Fill our hearts with your life. We are here for you. We are here for you. Our hearts are open. To you, our hearts are open. Nothing here is hidden. You are our one desire. You alone are holy. Only you are worthy, God. Let your fire fall down. Let our shout. Let our shout. Your anthem, your renown, fill the skies. We are here for you, here for you, Lord. We are here for you. Let your words move in power. Let what said come to life.
We welcome you in this place, Lord. We welcome your presence in this place. We love you. We celebrate you. We celebrate the gospel that called us out of darkness into your great light today. I was buried beneath my shame. This is our testimony, Christian. Sing it out. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my tomb till I met you. I was breathing but not alive. Remember that? All my failures I tried to hide. It was my tomb. Till I met you, Hallelujah. you called my name, and I ran out of that grave, out of the darkness into your glorious day. You called my name. Celebrate. Put those hands together. There you go. See that second verse. Now your mercy. Now your mercy has saved my soul. Hallelujah. Now your freedom is all that I know. The old made new. Jesus, when I Testimony right here. Sing it out. I needed rescue. I needed rescue. My sin was heavy. But change break at the weight of your glory. I needed shelter. I was an orphan. Now you call me a citizen. Sing it again to him. And I was broken. You were my healing. Now you're Oh, my name. 
Amen. Let us pray. Please be seated. Father God, we thank you so much for, Lord, when you called our name, it became a glorious day. Lord, we give you praise for calling our name, Lord. Thank you that you woo us, you invite us into your presence, Lord, to say yes to you, Lord. Lord, I pray that if there's someone here today does not know that glorious day, I pray that day, this day may be the day that they come into your glorious day. And Lord, thank you for that is a forever day in your presence, Lord, because you are eternal, Lord. Lord, you said you came to give us life abundantly, Father. Thank you for that eternal relationship and fellowship that you offer to each and every one of us, Lord. Lord, we are grateful that we can come together and just worship you in song and in prayer and also in your word. Lord, I pray for Pastor John, how you have spent time with him and stirred within his heart, Lord, the message that we are to hear in this chaotic world. Lord, we thank you. And we're just happy that we can just come to you and just know that uh, we are yours. So we love you and we need you, Father God. Our utterly dependence on you for every minute of every day is where we are. And we love you. In your heavenly name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. It was Pastor Jerry Bridges that said, as Christians, we should continue to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. That's what we're going to do right now as we sing this hymn together. Sing it with us. I cast my mind to Calvary, where Jesus led and died for me. I see his wounds. I 
sing that song without tears in her eyes. I think of those brothers and sisters in the Ukraine, and I saw a report about them in a tunnel singing praises to God. Um. Honestly, when I was um, looking at what I was going to share with you this morning, and by the way, I'm really hoping Lamar gets back this week. Um, (laughs) uh, You want him back. He wants to be back. And uh, we're just hoping. But I did not realize um, how what I want to share with you this morning relates very well with what's going on in our world. And when you think about being in that kind of a situation that they are in, instead of the church running and, and, and spreading out somewhere, they have come together to stand to fight the spiritual battle as well as the physical battle and do all they can do to prepare themselves to help care for those who are in the battle as well. That's something we haven't faced here. But um, in 1993, I was able to take, uh, go on a, a mission trip with, at the time, it was called International Crusade. Um, now it's International Commission. Uh, 
and the Ukraine had, was still trying to figure out how to live outside of the Soviet Union. And um, we were in a, a city um, south of Kiev. Uh, it was about eight, eight hours directly south, but we were on an old school bus um, traveling through the country where they still had um, roadblocks and were checking people going in and out. And uh, we had to take extra things and kind of bribe the people who were at the checkpoints to get down there. So it actually took us about 12 hours. But in that city, there was a large university. And there were Romanian, Ukrainian, and Russian churches. And uh, the heart of those believers there was so strong, they still didn't have much. Uh, In fact, the interpreter we had, her name was Ludmilia. And she was a college professor. She was not a believer. And um, she would have to go daily to different places to try and find food for her and her son. Now, what's wonderful about that is by the end of the week, as she was translating all the opportunities we had to share Christ uh, individually in communities in alleyways where they would gather people to hear us uh, in schools and offices by the end of the week, I didn't have to say as much because she knew the whole thing. And she, in our one prayer time, received Christ as Savior. And uh, it's just, it was such a great joy for us. Um, But that church, they were under rations for gasoline uh, and had been for quite a while. So for the year before we came, the people that were part of the body of Christ there had taken part of their gas rations and would take it to the one church, and there was a large tank there, and they would deposit that in that gas tank because they knew when our teams came in, they would need to get us around. They were making those kinds of sacrifices for the gospel. That has not changed. Their commitment, their love for Jesus. And when I think about this song, knowing that some of them are going to possibly face death or certainly family and friends. And we sing a song like that. It has so much more meaning uh, when you're in the crisis and in the chaos. And I titled this Finding Joy in a Chaotic World. And a chaotic world is one that has no direction, that's confused. There's no real organization. And and I, I think that fits where we're at today. Um, there is a lot of chaos in the world. Uh, There's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of things happening. But in the midst of that, for the Christ follower, there is a joy that radiates in us and through us toward Christ because of what he has done in our hearts and in our lives, bringing us out of light, uh, darkness into the light. So basically this morning I'm going to share with you Uh, that eternal joy comes through faith in Jesus Christ and a loving relationship with his church. And uh, I'm going to kind of challenge everybody here during this message at one point um, to understand the value of being part of the body, of being in partnership with one another, in having the same passion, in sharing the gospel, and in prayer together corporately with one another, hand in hand, heart to heart. Because I think the thing that's going to drive the body of Christ today 
is the only thing that we get really and that we need from Christ. Peace, joy, love, all the things that he has given us in his spirit. This is when they come together and are demonstrated to the world around us. We don't have to have fear of what the world does. In fact, Jesus said, do not fear him who can kill the body, but fear him who can uh, take us to, to hell, basically, in John. So let me pray, and then I want to dive into this and share some things with you that I pray the Lord will challenge us with. Father, we do thank you for our time this morning. And uh, we know that the world in general, just because it's under the principalities and powers of darkness, it's always been in chaos. Uh, but we're in that world now, today. And how we respond to the chaos of the world, how we are able to live and move forward uh, with joy and love and peace and passion and purpose and partnership and in prayer depends on how your, how your body of Christ responds and comes together to support and encourage one another and strengthen one another in bringing out the gospel and demonstrating it and meeting needs of those around us. Lord, uh, joy is that which is given to us through Christ, and it's an eternal joy. It's a never-ending joy. But that joy can be suppressed if we get caught up in things of the world, if we get focused on ourselves instead of looking out for others, if we forget what we're here to do. That joy can be, it can be diminished. And if we don't have joy in our heart, we don't have many of the other things showing through as well. So help us to understand from Paul's letter to the church at Philippi and his love for them and the joy that he had in them and the relationship he had with them. Let us see that and seek to replicate that and be that church, that body of believers who have joy in their heart through partnership, through a passion for the gospel and through prayer. So I just pray this morning you'll teach us that you'll speak through your word. Help me get out of the way so that your spirit has freedom to move. And I pray for those who are hearing, maybe some who don't know Christ, who are struggling with the chaos of the world, that they would find that the only place that they can find the relief and the comfort and the joy, the forgiveness of sin, uh, be becoming a new creation in Christ with an eternal hope, comes through him and him alone so that it does not matter what the world does the circumstances do not impact us or decide for us how we're going to live that is settled in christ and for your children help us realize the expectation you have of us not to live in comfort not to avoid the conflict or the chaos but to gather together in unity in love and in purpose to proclaim your word. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. It was during his, he actually started the church during his second uh, missionary journey. Uh, in fact, when he was writing this, he was in prison. And you remember kind of the biography of the Apostle Paul. He was so well liked everywhere he went. He was thrown out of town. He was stoned. He was beaten. He was put in jail. He was shipwrecked. I mean, here was a guy that, you know, just drew a crowd when he went somewhere, but it wasn't a good crowd for the most part. 
But he had a church in Philippi that was started when he went there and he found a group meeting by a river and a lady named Lydia who was a seller of purple. And that's really where the church began and was planted. Uh, as they went through town in Philippi, he came upon a demon-possessed young lady. And uh, through a series of events, he, he called out the demon and she uh, the demon left her, and the merchants who were using her for their own benefit uh, didn't like that. They became angry. They grabbed him. They took him before the authorities. He and Silas were thrown into an inner prison down there uh, in, in a terrible place. Nobody would want to be there. And yet in the midst of that, Paul and Silas are singing songs of praise. God shakes the jail. The doors open. The jailer's about to impale himself because he was sure he would die. And they scream or yell out to him, nope, everybody's still here, don't worry about it. So the jailer and his household ultimately came to Christ as well. And then another a kind of a series of events took place and Paul left Philippi. But he had such a powerful relationship with them that when he writes the book of Philippians, he is writing really a letter of love to them because he had so embraced them and they had so embraced him. And even in the midst of the trials and the struggles that, that he faced, he still looked to them and had great joy in his heart. So let me read Philippians chapter 1. We're going to read Uh, verses 3 through 11. Paul writes, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with what? Joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. This is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. For whether I I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best, And may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. You can tell just by the terminology that the apostle uses in in talking with them and encouraging them and the relationship that they have with him. Now, one of the things I want to really kind of point out is it is wonderful when a body of believers can be so tightly united that they share in the joy of life. They share when there is death and when there is life. They share successes and failures and the joy of prayer and ministry and mission together. That's the body of Christ at its best. Now, understand what I'm going to say here. With COVID and all the issues that went around, and listen, that caused a lot of chaos in how we do church. Uh, And I don't like using that term doing church, but being the church, let me put it that way. And it became a little easy for us 
to become complacent about church. And I absolutely understand the need for the internet and online services for people that need to be home, uh, that cannot come out, who have health issues, who can't get out of their beds. But folks, the body of Christ is at its best essentially when it's in relationship with one another, face-to-face, hand-in-hand, body-to-body. That's where the strength of the church is. It is essentially relational. And the other things we accommodate and we need to, there's no question in my mind about that. But we do not experience one another's sadnesses and joys, uh, challenges in life when we're looking through the internet. And I've used this uh, to share with pastors and other churches. The difference between watching online and being in person is the difference between me watching my granddaughter in Raleigh through Zoom or her sitting in my lap. That's the difference. I can see her. I can see what they're... And, and my grandson. I don't want to leave him out. Uh, <laughs> you know, you can see him. You can laugh with him. Uh, but at some point, you, you, that thing goes down. And it, while you're watching them, your, your desire is to hold them, to have them in your lap, to play with them. That doesn't happen from a distance. The body of Christ is essentially relational, and relationship means being with us. So my challenge is, and I've talked to a number of very strong believers who got very comfortable watching from home, you cannot worship the same at home as you can right here. There is a sense of the body of Christ coming together in the spirit of love and worship that makes a difference. So that's my commercial. And uh, if we are going to be the body of Christ we need to be, we need to be here. And if you can't be here, we need to be ministering to you and caring for you and making sure that we're knowing what your needs are and what your challenges are and praying with you. It's still relational. So pray about this. If you're watching online, here's the thing. Am I watching online out of conviction because I can't be there or out of convenience? So let that settle and I could quit there. I'm not going to. Let me get into this. I, you know, I'm not going to continue on that. Number one, let me give you the first point here. Joy is found in the unity of partnership. Of partnership. Notice what Paul says here. He gives thanks to God for his relationship with them. Every time he thought of them, he was blessed, and every thought of them brought joy to his heart. Do you have relationships like that? Somebody that, that you love and you care about, maybe somebody you've ministered to or ministered with, and you think about that experience. That's why I can look back at 1993 in the Ukraine. In fact, Ronnie Cooksey, Pastor Cooksey at Sandia Baptist, was my roommate on that trip. We didn't know each other before that. I was way younger than I am now, and so was he. But I think of those trips, and I think of what God did through them, and I think of the ministry we had together that brings joy to my heart. I can think of people in our, my church and, and, and groups that we've worked with, and you think about what God did through them and through us together, serving, sacrificing, ministering, and it brings joy to our heart. And We pray, giving thanks to God for them. And that, that's the other thing he says. Paul prays for them with joy. The prayers for the Philippian church were different from his 
prayers for some of the other churches. The others, he was praying for them to get things straightened out, to deal with conflict, crisis, uh, disunity. He, he was trying to help many of those churches, like Corinth, deal with issues, like Galatia, dealing with, with their issues. But here, he is praying for them with joy in his heart because he knew what God had done in them and was doing through them. We need to understand something about the terminology here, how we define our words. It's one thing that we all want to be happy, and I think everybody wants to be happy. But happiness is dependent upon circumstances. In other words, uh, you go to your favorite restaurant to order your favorite meal, and they set that down before you, and that big smile comes upon your face. You're thinking, man, I am happy. Or... You go to that good restaurant that you've always loved and got that dish that you always order and it comes out and you look at it and you go, this ain't right. I'm unhappy. I want to talk to somebody about this. It's circumstantial. Uh, joy is not circumstances. It is not dependent upon the circumstances of life. It doesn't matter where, whether good things are happening or bad things. It doesn't matter whether you're in crisis or if you're having success in your life. Joy is internal, given to us by the Holy Spirit through the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, kindness, self-control. All those things, they are in there. And the only thing that keeps them from coming out is us. We hinder that. When the Lord would say, find joy in everything. Trust in me. I am your Savior. I am with you. I won't ever leave you. I am always with you. Joy is independent of circumstances. Joy is a confidence built on our relationship with Christ. Uh, F.E. Arne, in his book, The Living Church, wrote this. He said, joy is that which encompasses and transcends both happiness and sadness once endowed with joy, a person is not likely to lose it and, in fact, grows with the awareness of it. Joy is like the sun, always shining even when night falls or clouds cover it. Happiness is like the moon, waxing and waning. Happiness is a kiss. Joy is a golden wedding anniversary. Happiness is frequently shared, but not always. Joy is always shared. Happiness comes from humans. Joy comes from God. Happiness is exchanging Christmas gifts Joy is awareness of what Christmas is about. I kind of like that. It's independent of circumstances. But then he also says that Paul, he also says Paul remembers their partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I've shared this, in fact, for the association when I first became uh, the associational director. Uh, the thing that I put on everything we had is that we are partner churches serving Christ together for his glory alone. Partnership is different than membership. Membership is something that you can be a part of with no expectations. I became part of a, a hunting organization many years ago, mainly because I was going to get some free stuff as a result. I joined Lifetime Membership. And, uh, and I'm probably still a, a lifetime member. And for a while, I was getting free stuff. Uh, but then that finally ended. But there was no expectation of me. I had no partnership. I had no involvement with them. I had got my name on a list, and, and then they gave me what I wanted out of it. Listen, membership in the body of Christ or in a church sometimes falls under that kind of a relationship. 
We become a member of something, but we'd have no real responsibility or expectation. That's why I like to have churches who call themselves partners in ministry. You become a partner of the body of Christ, which means that we share the expectation of responsibility, accountability, serving one another. We are a partner in the ministry. And I think that's exactly what Paul is talking about here. They shared in everything. There was a high expectation. They invested themselves in their gifts. They were good stewards of what God had given them and what they were supposed to be doing with the ministry that God had given them a responsibility for. You as a person, a born-again believer in Christ, are partners in the ministry. You're not just a member where you can receive and never give. There is a much higher expectation. And I think sometimes in the Christian community, we have lowered the bar of expectation so low that we almost have to dig a trench to get it in there. Understand what God has called you to. If he was done with you, he would have taken you home. He is not done with you. He has things for you to do. He's gifted you to do these things. You need to be involved in doing them so that the strength of the body of Christ can grow, so that its impact can impact in the way that it needs to in a lost and chaotic world. No matter what's going on in the world, he remembered them from the first day until now. And then notice what he says. He is confident that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul had a very positive outlook, even in the midst of very disastrous situations in his life and in his ministry. But he saw what God was doing in them. I think we could say the same about a number of the other churches. The church at Thessalonica was another one whose impact really rippled throughout And they didn't need to say much because what was happening in them and through them was being told by others as it went out from them. That's the impact that we hope to have. And Paul absolutely believed that God was going to continue to work in them and through them. It is truly a blessing to recall the partnerships that we have with others in ministry, whether it's missionaries, whether it's uh, teachers or pastors or evangelists. We have partnerships through missions with our International Mission Board, with the North American Mission Board. You have many other organizations, mission-wise here, uh, that many of you have been involved in and are involved in. That's a partnership for one purpose, and that's to bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ and to get the gospel message out to grow the kingdom of God through that ministry. Paul also said another thing here, and that is that joy is found in the unity of heart. And that word is cardia, literally is the heart. When verse 7, Paul writes, It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. You see, the other part of that partnership is the sharing of the grace of God. He shares with passion their partnership in the gospel, their passion in supporting him because this church did, in fact, support him. And I want you to know that as I minister in in the community, when the missionaries who have been sent out of this church or the pastors or or the evangelists or whoever has come out of this body of Christ over many years, that you share in that grace and that gospel that's being proclaimed by them. 
every time you minister or witness. All your activities in and out of the community represent who Jesus Christ is you, is in you and identify you with this body and the overall body of Christ. You see, we're not lone rangers. We're not out here on our own. We're in a relationship with one another that God has brought us together as a family. Uh, whether there's neither junior Greek, bond or free, male or female. We all have one purpose. We all have one mission. We all have one goal. And that's to proclaim the good news of Christ. We do it together through all the different giftedness and opportunities that we can, whether it's through children's ministry or, or uh, nursery or young adult or adult or whatever it might be. We represent Christ and the body of Christ and specifically the local body of Christ as we seek to impact our community for him right here. Paul revealed how he longed for them with the affection of Christ. That word longed for has the idea of intensely craving something. He wanted to be with them. He needed to be with them. It's the same word used by Paul in Romans 1.11 when he writes, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. And then the other word used here with the affection of Christ is a word that denotes the, the lower regions of the bowels. In other words, he was expressing his deepest emotional love for them. Now, you wouldn't go up to somebody and say, I love you with all my bowels because they may not love you back after that. But it means the essence, the deep-seated love you have for them. This is the kind of love that never has to ask, would you help me? Would you sacrifice for me? Would, would you do this for me? And I'm not talking about taking advantage, but for the kingdom of God. When Jesus said, I, I want to send you here or there. Do you love somebody enough to go and do what God has called you to do? There is unity of heart, and it comes from working side by side, facing the toils and struggles of ministry together. It comes from crying with those who are hurting, celebrating with those who experience joy and victory in their lives. How well you do this is not up to your pastor or an elder or a deacon or a small group leader. It comes from the corporate heart of everyone who gathers here for worship, who serves together in ministry, and who work together for the sake of the gospel. Now, certainly, our pastor and our elders and deacons and other servants are models for us. And I, that's one of the things I really love about being a part of this body is that I see that. I see it in Lamar and Lynn. I see it in our elders. I see it in our deacons. I see it in our Sunday school classes. There is a heart to serve our Lord. And the more that we come together to accomplish that, the greater God will be able to accomplish his purpose in us. The third thing. The third thing is joy is found in the unity of prayer. Paul shares his prayer for the church at Philippi. First of all, he prays that their love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight. Notice he doesn't pray for them to be protected here from conflict or enemies. He is praying for their heart, for their ministry. 
He prays for them to abound in love more and more. In other words, they were already demonstrating the love of Christ in them, through them, to others. But he prays for it to happen even more. That it would have a greater impact in knowledge and in depth of insight. In Colossians 3, 12 through 14, it says this. Paul writes this. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues. Put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity if we were just to kind of make a checklist compassion kindness humility gentleness patience and rate yourself somewhere one to ten i wonder how we would end up when i work with couples and we talk about first corinthians 13 what love is, what love isn't. One of the exercises I have each of them do is list each one of those things and then rate themselves and then each other on how they perceive the other person. And then we sit down. They don't get to show it to each other until we sit down. And then we look at see what they think about themselves and what their partner, their spouse thinks about them or if they're getting married. It's quite an exciting event sometimes <laughs> because they... They see each other quite differently. Sometimes not, sometimes they do. One of the greatest challenges I think that we struggle with in our life is not looking at how others are living Christ, but looking at ourselves and how we're loving Christ and serving him and checking our own hearts and asking the right questions. Lord, reveal to me how you see me in what I am doing and what I'm committed to, and how I'm willing to serve you, and how open I am for you to work through my life. That's really the question that we need to be asking. Not praying that somebody else would be more Christ-like, but Lord, how Christ-like am I? And am I truly serving? Praying that God would help us be the believers we need to be as well as praying for other believers to have more knowledge and depth of insight that their love might abound. Secondly, he prays that they would be able to discern what is best and that they be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. This is the prayer for their spiritual maturity and holiness in the midst of the community in which they live. And then thirdly, prays that they will be filled with what? The fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. The fruit of righteousness is the characteristics that are right in God's eyes and according to his word. Right living is defined by our Lord, not by us. It includes the fruit of the Spirit, all the things that are involved in that and that God has given us. God has given us so much. And I think that sometimes we are just getting in the way of what God really wants to do through us. There was a pastor many, many years ago. We're talking old school. On Sunday morning, he told the church when they had Sunday night services way back then, he said, tonight I'm going to pray. I'm going to preach on the person that most hinders the work of God in this church. He didn't have a big group on Sunday morning, but that place was full Sunday night. 
<clears throat> and he had a coffin up front. And he wanted everybody to come by and see the person. It was the biggest hindrance. And the coffin was open. And when they looked in it, there was a mirror. Whoa. <laughs> I don't know how many came back the next Sunday. <laughs> but again, folks, we, we need relationships. We need to have higher expectations of ourselves before we have them of someone else. We need to understand that God has brought us together as a body of Christ in this place at this time for a reason. And we are not isolated from what's going on in the Ukraine or in Nigeria or in other places where believers are dying and giving of their lives for the cause of Christ. Who are willing to stay and fight battles and minister to those who are in need. If we can translate that in and understand that they are part of us, that when we pray for them, our heart breaks for them, not because they're in the crisis, but because they have such a huge task of staying and ministering and even putting their lives on the line to serve the cause of Christ for his glory and for his honor. That when we pray, we're not praying for protection for ourselves, but like Paul always prayed, for endurance and boldness. Lord, we're going to face challenges in life. We're going to have chaos in our world. I don't want to pray, Lord, take away the chaos. The chaos is that which helps me draw closer to you and trust in you at a deeper level. My faith grows when I'm in the chaos of the world. I become stronger in that. I become more resilient. Help me to endure the chaos and the crisis. Help me be bold in that situation so that Christ can be lifted up, that he can be proclaimed, that what he has done for us can be done in the lives of those around us. You see, there's a different resolve. And, and when I, I say there's uh, to f- how to find joy in, in, in a world of chaos, it comes through Christ and through our submission to him and through our partnership in the gospel, through our love for one another and for the prayers that sustain and encourage and strengthen one another in Christ. That's where real joy is found. It's not in my personal benefit. It's not in my personal desires and wants. It's through what Jesus wants to do and will do through me. Let me close here by giving you three things, basically uh, summarizing. Joy comes in the unity of partnership as you remember those around you and the blessings they bring. Joy comes in the unity of heart as you minister and serve together, developing a relationship of love and compassion for one another. And joy comes in the unity of prayer as you pray for others. And that love will be so evident that the world will know that Jesus came and died and rose from the grave for them. You see, we look forward to heaven and the joy and the peace and all the things that heaven brings. And we should. But we're not in heaven. We're on earth. We're not citizens of this world. But we are in the world. And remember, Jesus prayed for those who are in the world. And he prayed for you and I to take the responsibility, to have the relationship, to have the ministry, to have the partnership, to have the love, 
and to have the prayers for one another so that we can fight the battles in a spiritual way and bring or see other people come to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. I think that's the kind of joy that we want and that we can have if we will allow the Lord Jesus Christ to work through us to others. There's three things in our relationship with God. One is our relationship with him. It's an upward relationship, our love for him, our worship for him, our service to him. And then what God does in us internally as he transforms us and makes us new creations. In other words, when we come before the Lord and we acknowledge our sin and agree with him that we're sinners, that we are separated from him and we turn from our heart uh, to turn toward him in repentance and believe that what he did on the cross through his death, burial, and resurrection was sufficient to pay the price for our sins so that we might have a relationship with him, we become believers. And then we need to live for Christ in a way that will bring joy to him. And not wait for him to draw us out or to push us, but to be willingly available to him. We used to use the term fat Christians. I'm sure you've heard it before. Faithful, available, and trainable. If we have more fat Christians, folks, we would make a much bigger impact, right? But don't just call somebody a fat Christian without explaining it. <laughs> it will not end well. So here's my heart on this. I know um, you're a follower of Christ. You love Jesus. Um, you're grateful for your salvation. But there's another level that you need to understand. There's an expectation that through partnership, through relationship with others, through serving, ministering together, through uh, being good stewards, uh, through being a part of what God is doing in, in your church, in this church, in Sunday school, through missions, uh, through serving a community, that brings joy to his heart as well as your heart. And for us to make the impact we truly need to make and we desire to make and that we pray for happening is that the joy of the Lord will so radiate through us and through what God does through us that it will impact the world and draw people to him. And that's really our goal. Father, I thank you this morning for this passage of Scripture about joy in a chaotic world. We are always, there's always chaos, it seems. There's chaos in our own hearts. There's chaos in our families. There's chaos in our community, sometimes in our church, uh, some, and certainly chaos in the world. Um, but Lord, we know the chaos doesn't have to determine our joy or our peace or how we serve you and take the responsibility of partnership in serving you and serving your body and serving in community. We need to have the joy, the passion of our heart sharing in your grace and we need to be people of prayer in relationship with one another in expectation in thanksgiving and praise to you for what you have done in us and what you desire to do through us help us celebrate that 
And Lord, if there is someone who does not know Christ, let them this morning come and receive the gift of salvation that comes through Jesus. By simply praying, and I don't mean simply in an easy way, but I mean that you have made this very open to us, that we can come before you and, and pray, Lord, I know I am a sinner. I have sin in my life. I, I don't do the things I should do, and, and I've done bad things. I've been uh, anger, whatever it might be. I acknowledge that. I want to turn from my way of life and follow you. I believe that Jesus, your death, your burial, and your resurrection is sufficient to pay the price for my sin. I, I want to receive that. I want to surrender myself to you and become your child. And believer, maybe this morning you just need to pray and say, Lord, I've really not been the partner in ministry I need to be. I certainly pray for the ministry and the people serving in this church, but I've not been a good partner. I want to repent of that. And I want to take what you've given to me and be a good steward with the giftedness and, and all the things that you've given me. And I want to invest all of that in your kingdom work. Help me know how to do that and help me make myself available to do that. And when we pray, let us pray for endurance and strength and boldness, not just for safety. So, Father, however we need to respond according to your word this morning, I pray that you will lead us and that we will not leave this place this morning without responding to you in some way and thereby bringing glory to you and joy to you. For I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.